Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's February 17th, 2021, and this is episode 60. Allie, we're coming coming live today from a very frigid, cold uh, Southeast Minnesota. Um, definitely been a, a cold week here, but um kind of believer it always balances out. It, 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 I guess, uh, as we say in Minnesota, it could always be worse, right? Yep, the wind could be blowing more than it is, or that's what I said last week. But yeah, I mean, frigid temps, that's pretty common no matter where you're at. But I think the positive thing is it, it appears as if we are going to have a nice, you know, warm up as we get through this cold spell here. So there's good to come. There's always good to come. Uh, but on today's show, Josh, uh, we do have Jeff Moon with Corteva AgriScience back with us today. You know, last time, Jeff, when you were on the show, we were we were focused more on soybeans, but today we're going to shift focus to talk weed control in corn and just some of those things we need to make sure we're keeping top of mind as we move into 2021. So welcome back, Jeff. We're, we're glad to have you on the show, and I think we've got a great discussion set up for today. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me back on. Nice to be here on episode number 60. That's a that's a celebration. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, we should do something fun for that. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll do something fun on social media to get, get some <laughs> excitement out there for sure. So, you know, Jeff, when you know a lot of planning sessions going on, Ellie and I have been making the rounds and kind of going through, you know, guys' cropping plan, you know, getting products placed and fertility and and you know, weed control comes up in a lot of those conversations. And um, you know, looking at, at corn weed control, we talked a lot about soybeans last time, as we mentioned. You know. Um, you know, I'm maybe not as hands-on with, with crop protection plans as what I, I once was in my career. I still, I feel like I, I stay somewhat confident in, in that arena, but, you know, really when you really start studying this out and I was prepping for the show and, and looking at our portfolio and what's happening it um, you know, I probably come, got into the business right when Roundup Ready Corn was starting to take off. So I remember the conventional days, but it kind of feels like in some ways, you know, when we think about corn weed control today, it's, it's a lot of old mixed in with the new. And um, is that, am I kind of thinking that right? Or am I in the wrong track of that, Jeff? Or maybe I'm too old school and too simple. No, I, you might be old school. You might be simple, but I think you're, you're thinking the right way. Um, we do have a lot of products that have been on the market for many years. And uh, we have different premixes of those products now put together. Um, so there, there hasn't been a whole lot of new active ingredients, if you will, that are showing up in the corn market. Um, I do think that... Uh, you know, we, we have gone full circle. We've had Roundup out there. We know we have some stumbling blocks in the way with, with Roundup, but we we have different strategies that we can use on this corn side to help overcome that. And if we can set ourselves up for good weed control in, in corn with the many options that we have, I think we set ourselves up on our farm for a more uh, sustainable approach to weed control, you know, through a number of crops, whatever we're trying to raise. I guess that's that's kind of where I would start with that anyway. Yeah, and, and to follow that up, and I, I think, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, with the weed spectrum today where, you know, we, the glyphosate resistant water hemp, and and I think, you know, the lamb's quarter, the ragweed, I, I, I'm not going to say we got resistance, it's out there, but it, they're all getting harder to control. And I think when we look at corn, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we used to talk about, you know, when Ron was working good, we want to have a foundation down and maybe we could get away without a lot of residual. You know, I think in today's world, I think it's important that we put residual. And I think even we talk about this in beans, but I think the layered residual in corn, in my opinion, is equally as important. Any, any take on that? Well, we certainly do find that uh, looking at, you know, either practical use out in the field or looking at some university studies that a two-pass program of some type is going to outperform a one-pass program 
or a program with some residual activity is going to perform better. We know these weeds germinate over a long period of time. They all don't come up at the same time. Uh, so we need to have uh, something out there as a barrier in place to keep those weeds from coming up. So starting with a, with a pre-emerge product. In our, our portfolio, we have a number of choices. We have straight acetochlor, which is surpass. We have an atrazine premix in the Keystone products if people want to use some atrazine. We can step up uh, another level and go to SureStart and then to Resicor if we're looking for longer, deeper residual into the season, multiple modes of action. Uh, lots of options in corn uh, across the industry um, to control those difficult broadleaf weeds. Uh, it's a little bit easier doing corn than it is to do it in soybeans. And so if we, again, set ourselves up to do a good job in corn, uh, I think we're going to see benefits uh, throughout our weed control system on our farm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Jeff. And I think, you know, you hit on it that there are a lot of different options depending on what our needs are. And I heard this line actually on a call earlier back in 2020 that you were on and, you know, folks just talked about, we need the right herbicide for the right weeds at the right time. And I think that can really help just kind of organize out. Yes, there are a lot of different options, but if we can break it down to our specific needs, I think that helps to kind of take a little bit of the, the convolutedness out of all the different options that we have available. You bet. You you two work with a, a lot of different growers out there and, and not one of them farms the same. Uh, they, they approach what they do differently, all of them. Um, with that portfolio of products that I mentioned, we can apply herbicides from, you know, pre-plant all the way up until that corn is about 11 inches tall. We can put them out there with water as the carrier. We can use liquid fertilizer as the carrier. We can impregnate onto dry fertilizer as the carrier. So however someone wants to, to farm, we can find a way to develop a weed control program that, that's going to work for them. If, if we sit down and do a little planning ahead of time, uh, we, we can really have a lot of success out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we move into segment two, we'll make sure we continue to focus a little bit more on what that could look like across folks' operations. So stick with us and we'll be back uh, for segment two. Welcome back, listeners. So Josh and Jeff, I thought just a really great conversation in segment one on the importance of, you know, just the foundation of a of our herbicide programs and how that can really help, especially when it comes to rotational weed control. Um, you know, in this particular case, starting with corn and, and keeping our fields clean that way can really uh, make for a strong weed control program as we move into other crops. Um, but we also talked about, you know, what could that look like with a two-pass herbicide um, approach to this. So I think, you know, for me, when we look at a two-pass system, it really comes to just reducing that risk. So I think a total post-emergence program can tend to be a little bit more risky, risky just because the timing of that post-emergence application is leaves a lot left up to mother nature in terms of the available windows that you have to make those applications. Um, so really, I think, Jeff, if we could just take that a step farther, you know, what can make a two-pass system in corn work? And maybe we look at a lot of our operations that are covering a larger amount of acres what could they do to help maybe widen some of those application windows and just maximize the opportunities that they have available? Sure, that's a, that's a fair question. I mean, we all know that with these herbicides, there's a, uh, there's an end stage where we need to be done by, right? Uh, in our case, with a, with a lot of our acetochlor products, it's 11-inch tall corn. That's when we need to stop. So we can't go any further. We can't go any deeper that way, but can we back this thing up and, and go the other direction? So I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, being able to use it with water or, or with liquid fertilizer or going out with uh, impregnated on, on uh, dry fertilizer. So those would be ways, to, uh, you know, if fertilizer is going out a little bit earlier, you could attach the herbicide to it and do it that way. We, we got to think about maybe going backwards a little bit. Quite often, I think we see guys plant the, 
crop and then come back over the top right away with the herbicide. And that's probably, you know, uh, a tried and true and, and very good way to do it. But maybe if, if you've got a larger operation, you feel pushed for time, maybe you consider backing up just a little bit and going with a, with a pre-plant instead of a pre-emerge type application. Um, maybe uh, in, instead of waiting for all those weeds to, you know, to come up, to have that perfect time to go out there and get that post application on, maybe again, you tend to start a little bit on the early side of that with that post application um, and, and the weather's in your favor, you've, you've got some time to do it. And, and maybe you go with a little bit of an increased rate because you're putting the product out there a little bit earlier and you're relying more on the residual and it's to be there for a longer period of time. So there's a, there's a few ways to adjust or maybe it's having another tank mix partner. Maybe you, uh, you toss in a little bit of atrazine if, if that is something you can tolerate on your farm. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a little bit of dicamba that gets added into the mix. There's, there's different strategies you can use to address not only the different weeds that are out there, but to help with the timing as well. And so I think those are some of the things to consider. Yeah, I think that's a really good take and really just wanting to make sure that we're keeping top of mind. I think using that integrated two-pass program to just really provide the most consistent weed control is what we've seen. I think that's what folks see across their operation. So just making sure we think through how can we make that work work for us and, and also make sure we're making timely applications to, to provide that control as well. Um, Josh, any other comments on that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a great conversation. And the one thing I always like to look at it as if, um, you know, how do we if we have good weather days and hey, these are good spring days, you know, maybe I'm early, but can we make a couple little tweaks and get ourselves out there and take advantage of windows? And it just seems like, especially the last three, four years, sometimes those windows are narrow and tight. And um, it's great to have products that give you that that flexibility on um, an operation to to take advantage of those work days. And, and really in today's, you know, agriculture efficiency and, and taking advantage of that is, is a big thing, but uh, no, a great discussion. Um, so Jeff, just to kind of to wrap the show here, um, you know, kind of one more topic here. Don't want to forget about our alfalfa producers uh, here in Southeast Minnesota. And, you know, when we talk about we're putting a lot more residual products out there with these post applications, and this is maybe more of a call out, something that I think is maybe getting overlooked, but we do use a lot of products that have mesotrione in it. You, you think you talked about Resicor and there's so many other ones across the industry. But, you know, some of that does carry a 10 and a half month rotational restriction to alfalfa. And sometimes if if we get pushed back from rain in June and, and we're pushing those applications later, you get a really nice spring and we're seeding alfalfa by April 5th, you know, that can really catch up with you. And I, I don't know if we got a chronic issue, but I do think it is something that, you know, we need to talk about and think about and, and you know, what are some maybe options that we can do to, to manage that risk or we're not getting into that situation? Josh, that's a good call out. You know, uh, I, I often tell people we can kill just about anything, right? The, the magic is not killing what you don't want to kill. And so that would be the, the crop that you're applying it to or what you might be planting next. And so we need to pay attention to those rotational intervals and uh, make sure, you know, that we have a plan ahead of time that we know what we're going to use. We know um, uh, what the requirements are as far as that rotational interval go. Maybe instead of Resicor, maybe SureStart is the right choice for you if you're feeling pushed on those windows. So there's other options out there. Yeah, and, and I think that's the that, that's the call that I like to look at. And and even myself, you know, sometimes when a, a dairy is asking about weed control, um, I think I've been guilty of, you know, you're always thinking about, okay, this is the situation we got. These are the weeds. This is the timing. But boy, the last thing on your mind, you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, what is he doing 10 and a half months from now that I could have an impact on. And, um, you know, I, I don't get a lot of service calls on this. There are times that, um, you know, you're in some of these fields that, you know, maybe got sprayed with a mesolate and where we have a lot of hills, sometimes you can maybe see 
is that sprayer bogged down and are we did our rate get a little heavy and can we see that i mean i think there are situations where i can which tells us that maybe it's not a big issue but it's out there it's real and i appreciate that call out and um, appreciate you on the show jeff and uh I'll be sure to tune in next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060.